the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The day. Then we kick back and relax in the evenings. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Republican Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina has endorsed former President Trump. We need a president who will unite our country. We need Donald Trump. The announcement came during a Trump rally in Concord ahead of next Tuesday's New Hampshire primary. Saying he himself was an unplanned baby to then-teenage parents, House Speaker Mike Johnson told the March for Life gathering in Washington yesterday, society should promote a more caring environment for pregnant women. You understand that we have to build a culture that encourages and assists more and more people to make that same decision. And New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith, among the speakers at the March for Life rally, he says that participants need to do more to protect the unborn in their own states, despite the fact the Supreme Court has overturned Roe versus Wade. This is SRN News. It takes teamwork to stay safe on Minnesota roads during the winter. You can help. When you see snowplows at work, slow down. Slower speeds can save lives. Don't crowd the plow and leave plenty of space between yourself and other vehicles. Keep your headlights on to see and be seen. Avoid distractions and always stay alert behind the wheel. This message brought to you by the Minnesota Department of Transportation, the Minnesota Broadcasters Association, and this station. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. Need a good shot of your favorite pastor? Well, you can get him anywhere and everywhere at OnePlace.com and the OnePlace app. If you miss the daily dose of encouragement you need, find it there. If you want to hear that great sermon one more time, it's all there. We don't encourage you to leave this station, not ever. But when you want a repeat, you know where to go. OnePlace.com and the OnePlace app. No matter what happens, we're always on. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. No! Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. My mind is a globe whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for spending time with us today. Um, I want to thank uh, Phil Kirpin from American Commitment, who I have not heard from for a bit. And, Phil, good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, um, I have to say, I'm calling this the idea that will not die. I think I'd actually lost track of the net neutrality nonsense. (laughs) 
I, I mean, yeah, I mean, seriously, uh, I thought five, six years ago this kind of went away as an issue, and I want to thank you for sending us a, 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 an article that's sort of like, it's back. And then the reason for it is is jaw-droppingly idiotic. I, I don't... I mean, I don't have good words for net neutrality at all, but Phil, take it away. Why is this thing back? <laughs> well, it's pretty incredible. I think it's because the left is incapable of admitting error when it comes to government regulation, and they're impervious to facts and reality. And so, uh, you know, we had this incredibly embarrassing episode uh, about six or seven years ago now when the Obama version. It was really a mangled form of net neutrality. They did public utility-style regulation of the Internet uh, in the name of net neutrality. I don't think it actually had much to do with net neutrality, if you're honest, if we're honest about it. Uh, but uh, it was in place for two years, and the two years it was in place, the, uh, in the curve of private investment in Internet infrastructure, it, uh, you know, the slope reduced dramatically. So it continued to increase, but at a far lesser pace than had been the pre-regulation trend. And uh, that's for a pretty obvious reason, which is, you know, it's hard to justify billion, multi-billion dollar investments if your return on that investment depends on the whim of future bureaucrats who may or may not allow you to make a return on that investment. And so when you go from an unregulated to a regulated environment, you're going to get less investment. And that's certainly what we saw for those two years. And when the Trump FCC under a GPI said, we're going to get rid of these regulations because the Internet was fine for 20 years without it. In the last two years, we've seen a slowdown in investment. Let's get rid of it. Um, the media and the left acted like it was like the, the end of the universe. I mean, there were literally headlines, King, about how there would be yeah. mass deaths because people would not be able to access suicide prevention resources, and there were, there were going to be dead bodies in the streets, uh, mass death. The Internet would no longer work. Uh, the, they would load one word at a time. The Democrats are saying it's the end of the Internet as we know it. All of these apocalyptic predictions. And what actually happened? Well, zero of those predictions occurred. Instead, everything you could ever want from a deregulation is what happened. Private investment snapped back pretty much right away to its pre-regulation trend line, went up sharply. Average speeds more than tripled in the two years following deregulation. And prices went down. Uh, they've come up a little bit since then, but still much less than inflation. But prices actually dropped uh, for the three years after the deregulation was put in. So any logical person would look at this and say, huh, this is like everything you could ever want from a deregulation. Um, you know, yeah. maybe I was wrong when I said we should not repeal it. Um, but the Democrats don't do that. And so uh, the moment they have three Democrats on the FCC, which took them a long time because Biden tried to put a real left-wing activist on there who failed to even get Democratic support in the Senate. And then he finally gave up on that and just put a standard Democrat. And frankly, there's not that much difference. Uh, as soon as they got three Democratic members, they said, OK, we're going to put them back in. And the speech uh, that the FCC chair gave not once but twice, once at the National Press Club, and once at uh, at the FCC on the dais, uh, her explanation I, I, I'm I, it's almost too, too it's almost too hard to believe this happened. But she did this not once but twice. She said, "When the COVID lockdowns hit, I had to clear off my desk, and I wasn't able to go back in the office for years, and I had to work from home, and I couldn't find any spot in my house with a good Wi-Fi signal. And that's when I knew we needed to have net neutrality rate. And I'm watching this, and I'm like." can I just buy her a better router and she'll leave the rest of us alone? Like, what is the Internet in her house? Like, what does the Internet in her house have to do with, with regulating the, the network? Oh. This is like the most insane. I, I, and then I'm like, maybe she's not. I mean, how do you become chair of the FCC and not know the difference between the local network in your house and the public Internet? And then I'm like, maybe she does know the difference. She just thinks the people she's talking to are stupid enough uh, to think that that's a relevant yeah. point. I don't know. It was pretty astonishing. And, the, the irony of this is that, you know, what actually happened during the COVID lockdowns was the best argument ever for a deregulated approach, right? Because you look yes. at what happened in the U.S. and, you know, the demand for Internet traffic, uh, it went up about 30 or 40 percent overnight globally because so much is so activity that used to be, in, you know, offline moved online. 
And in the U.S., look, I mean, we all might have had a hiccup here and there where something was disconnected, but basically everything worked, okay? There was more than enough capacity. Nothing was breaking. There were not major outages. Uh, because we had so much private investment and so much competition between different providers, we had excess capacity. Uh, the Internet basically worked fine. It handled the ultimate real-world stress test of a 40% increase in demand overnight uh, perfectly fine, whereas in Europe, where they have a regulated approach, and there is a single monopoly provider in most places of Internet service, uh, they had the opposite. They, you had regulators in Europe calling up Google, calling up uh, Netflix, saying, we need you to throttle streams, down-resolution your YouTube and Netflix streams because the network's going to break, because we're exceeding capacity. And so the, the real lesson of the COVID lockdowns is like exactly the opposite of what she was saying. The, the lesson is that you do not want to have a government-regulated approach uh, where, you know, you have you know, basically just as much bandwidth as some bureaucrat decided was necessary. You want to have a market where there's competition and investment. Um, and so it's very disturbing. Uh, they're being ideological. They're impervious to facts and reality. And there's actually a paragraph. This is a paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me. But there's actually a paragraph in this new version of the order that, that uh, addresses the private investment point. And I swear, it basically says – Private investment doesn't matter much anymore because we've got, you know, all these billions from the stimulus and from the uh, infrastructure bill. And, you know, there's so much taxpayer money that we don't have to worry about private investment. It's basically the approach that they're taking. And, you know, once you go down that path, you regulate out private investment, you throw taxpayer dollars. This is a very dangerous path to go down. Before you know it, it looks like a lot of other uh, poorly managed infrastructure in the United States instead of being the one that, that is the standout success because it hasn't been taxpayer money because it has been you know private competitive enterprise so uh, yeah. i oh i i one other thing i forgot sure. you know because they're never satisfied with economic regulation alone anymore they also have a companion item so they're going to bring back the obama economic regulation but they have a companion item uh, they call their digital discrimination order now they're also going to regulate the internet to make sure that there's no company that engages in any business practice that has a disparate impact on you know race or sex oh, or you know the whole laundry list of uh, yeah. cultural Marxist equity concerns. Yeah, so we're visiting with Phil Kirpin from American Commitment and American Commitment. Let me remember your website, right? AmericanCommitment.org. Um, That's it, Phil. It's just it's 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 uh, it's quite remarkable. I mean, I was talking to Spencer uh, just before the show started. I said, I said, yeah, you're just going to regulate them like they do the electric utilities because that's worked out so well. Um, right, you know. right, exactly. Right. It's like right. this is the point. They, this is the it's amazing because this is the point you you always hear from the liberals. They're like, broadband is infrastructure, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. And they're like, so that means it needs to be run by the government. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not. I, no. I, I, I have the exact opposite conclusion. Is that maybe a lot more of our infrastructure shouldn't be run by the government? Correct, correct. And I think that's, I think that's the issue. But I mean, this is such a. I mean, one piece in your article uh, that you that you have up at American Commitment is, is says that they're going to even the, this proposed regulation even regulates. Ex post, meaning you make the investment, then the then the government will tell you how much of it you can keep. Right. That's correct. Yeah, that that's. Yeah, I mean, this that, is the, that's the, bonkers. This is the, well, yeah, they, they they actually wrote it this, you know, because they kept saying we're not going to do price regulation, we're not going to do price regulation, and then the item comes out, and it's like, well, we're not going to do ex ante price regulation, but we might decide after the fact that your pricing was unreasonable. It's like, this so is here's some, be better. Like I don't yeah. I'm like what. what? So here's the one thing I think about in this, right? I mean, I, I use the electric utility comparison because we know that in electric utilities, eventually what happens is the, the utility regulator gets captured by the electrical company, but that electrical company, but in that case, that's a, that's a monopoly, right? You've got multiple ISPs, including some fairly small ones. I mean, do they just go out of business? I particularly think about, you know, I live out here at the edge. I, I consider myself at the edge of uh, rural Minnesota. And when we were delivering internet content at the university to students who were at home out in out in western Minnesota, you know, I would get the pushback: "Oh, rural broadband, it doesn't work." And how are you going to help these students? I got I got to tell you, I got relatively few responses from students saying I couldn't connect. I mean, I mean, oftentimes I think it's like this this FCC chair woman who who says it's the router. We we just get them a different router, router, and all of a sudden, poof, problem disappears. 
Yeah, there are very, very few places left in the U.S. that are truly unserved. Um, yeah. You know, but it's one of these things, you know, when you decide as a policy matter that you're going to have a service literally everywhere, um, you know, the, the costs start to escalate pretty dramatically when you get to the last couple of percentage points uh, because it's, you know, the, the guy who lives on the mountaintop and whatever, and, and it becomes mm-hmm. a very unwieldy, even with very large subsidies. Although, you know, I mean, you know, the, the FCC, though, has become extraordinarily politicized under the Biden administration. And so they've got actually several programs uh, that offer very large subsidies to build out to some of these last remaining unserved areas. Um, And from an economic standpoint, satellite is probably your best uh, technology for reaching a lot of these places or maybe fixed wireless. But satellite is sort of the the fallback of last resort, because anywhere you are, you can use satellite, and you don't mm-hmm. need to put up, you know, 100 poles to reach the guy who's in the middle of nowhere. Um, but they just recently disqualified uh, SpaceX, Starlink's, SpaceX's Starlink service from subsidies. They had already granted it $900 million, and they canceled it, uh, as far as I can tell, because the White House doesn't like Elon Musk. I mean, I, I can't, mm. there's no other reason, as far as I can tell. And so I think, you know, one of the yeah, I, I never feel too bad when a company loses government contracts and government subsidies. I'm not for them in the first place, but I don't think it should be political in how they do it. But I mean, I think this is a lesson for anyone who supports these kind of programs. And a lot of Republicans have said, oh, you know, I've got a lot of rural, rural constituents, and so it's good for me to do subsidies for rural areas. And uh, you know, but, but it, it's really not because the power always goes to bureaucrats who will make choices based on things that have nothing right. to do with serving your constituents and, you know, are politicized and uh, subject to corruption. And uh, I, the places where we get the best outcomes are where it's not subsidies and bureaucrats. It's, uh, you know, consumers and markets. Now, Phil, I know you got to run because you got family commitments. It's a Saturday. I thank you for taking the time here with uh, Phil, Phil uh, Kirpin from American Equipment. But last thing, you wrote this article in October it's now January. What's happened in the three months since you wrote this? Well, they've just closed the public comment period. So, unfortunately, I think we're going to get a final rule pretty soon now. And then, you know, the question will be, can it be stopped in the courts? Can it be stopped in Congress? Will Trump repeal it again? And they'll say, we'll all die again. So we'll see. But the next up, they are going to finalize it. And so, you know, if it actually isn't blocked in the courts or in Congress, we're probably going to see that same you know, slow down in private investment that we saw last time it was in. And, of course, you know, we'll we'll all be a little worse off because of that. Well, uh, th- I mean, again, I truly thought this idea died. I had not even realized that, that they had proposed a new rule. I missed well, this if entirely. They were, if they weren't impervious to reality, then they would have said, hey, you know what, that deregulation was pretty good. No. We were wrong. Leave it alone. But that's, right, right. You know, that's not the way they are. Okay. Okay. Hey, Phil. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I'll let you, I'll let you get off to your to to your family business. But uh, thank you so much for being here, Phil Kirpin from American Commitment, with us here on the King Banyan Show. We'll be right back after these messages on the Biz fourteen forty. thousand dollars yes to fix up your house you're millionaires yes <laughs> you had to call me about forty thousand dollars when you I have know. when you have almost two million dollars the ramsey show live every weekday afternoon from one to four do you own a timeshare well face the facts you made a mistake you made a bad purchase a timeshare is not an investment it's a money pit that continues forever. If you use your timeshare, that's great. But if you don't and you want to legally get out of your contract, call my friends right now at the Timeshare Exit Hotline. They're an experienced team of lawyers who help good people like you get out of a timeshare contract that they just don't want. Don't throw away your money on maintenance fees. Use it for things you really want. We can help you end your timeshare contract and stop the money drain immediately. If you're ready to move on with your timeshare, call our team right now. Cancel your timeshare now with a free call. 800-890-5957. 800-890-5957. 800-890-5957. That's 800-890-5957.
This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years, and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I receive every night about the most important issues to read about. Pragertopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pragertopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, Pragertopia Unlimited. Go to Pragertopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Record-setting four-time Emmy Award winner Michelle Tafoya discusses politics and the state of our culture, free from mainstream media pressures. That means you'll find unhindered commentary and astute observations that bring greater depth to the topic at hand. Insight from subject matter experts and thought leaders round out the conversation. Watch the Michelle Tafoya podcast free on YouTube or stream via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SalemPodcastNetwork.com. There's a ton to explore at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Like the biggest savings around at our half-off deals tab. Click on programs to see your daily lineup, win prizes at the VIP fan club, catch up on your favorite podcasts, and more. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Apologies for interrupting anything Eric Clapton ever does, but whatever. Um, it, is, it, is, uh, it is always good to have Phil Kirpin with us. It's, it's fun. I have to say, I have to ask him one question, and I could have, I, I could have gone outside and had a smoke. I mean, he, he, he just got, I come back. Yep, he's still here. Um, that was great. Uh, I do not understand the fascination with net neutrality. I here's when I hear rural broadband. I think to, I, I always have to remind myself this would have been 2007, I think, and I was working on a. I still had my consulting practice. This is before I first ventured into politics, and then and then uh, ventured into uh, becoming a university administrator. So I was still I was still Full-time economics uh, department member uh, was the was the chair. Chairs in our system are are just faculty who help do some coordinating work. Greatly underappreciated, I would say, all our department chairs. Anyway, um, I was working on this thing in in Mongolia. So you fly into Ulaanbaatar, and Ulaanbaatar would would make a pretty nice set for uh, would make a pretty nice set for a Star Wars movie. Um, is that it, it it feels like you are on the edge of a frontier. And then you get in a car and you drive out of the main city. And within 20 minutes, there's pretty much nothing. We go for two and a half hours up to a camp on top of a hill that is meant to be nothing. And it is in the middle of nowhere. If you take your cell phone with you out there. You cannot, you could not connect to anything. It turns out that was the idea because in Mongolian, we were training folks in, we were training folks uh, on a variety of things. I was basically training government officials and non-government organization officials on how to do cost-benefit analysis. That was my task for two weeks. It, It was great. But there was no there was no internet. There were no phones. Nothing worked out there, um, except for the fact that we collectively, the being the trainers, collectively bought a connection to a satellite. The cost to broadcast to the satellite was one hundred dollars per hour you were connected. So we would all set up to get all of our email in and out in a burst, which I had done. Back in the mid-1990s, 
when I was in Ukraine and all they had were copper wires and your modem connection back when the modems made those terrible noises that sounds like Beelzebub um, would um, that, you know, you had to basically get on, get your stuff, get off, hang up your phone and then read all your email, set up all your answers and then do it again. We were doing that with satellite, $100 an hour. Okay. And so Lynn asked on Twitter at hashtag pound KBRS about Starlink. Okay. Starlink solved the problem. Satellite internet solves the problem because frankly, there was, it wasn't just that there were no wires. I was surprised they had electricity in this place. Um, there was, there wasn't a lot. Um, but there we had enough to run computers, but there was but phone access. There really was no phone access. So I said, How do you guys how do you guys find out when someone might make a reservation to work at your place? And they said, Oh, the mail comes once a day. And that that took care of that. So yeah. I mean Starlink is is a wonderful solution for last mile problems and of course we've now decided we don't because we don't like the owner of starlink we don't like starlink and you poor citizen who could have received it at a lower price now has to pay a much higher price for it again i like like phil kirpin i'm i'm also like i don't like the idea that we're subsidizing it but if you've decided you're going to pay for rural broadband you ought to consider whether perhaps providing satellite connection, satellite internet, is a cheaper option than a lot of the rural broadband solutions that have been offered. Because it's an option. I know. I used it. It wasn't bad. Could I stream a movie off satellite internet at the price they were charging then? Certainly not. It would cost us $200 to watch a movie on streaming. If we had had streaming back in 2007, we didn't. What did we do instead? We went into Ulaanbaatar. They had they had bootleg DVDs everywhere, and we had we had uh, we had some bootleg DVDs, including the at that time the latest Mission Impossible, which we paid the equivalent of two U.S. dollars for. I, I mean, it's a nice story, right? Okay, Javier Malay, we got to get to him. First of all, let me let me make sure because when I was talking about this with Spencer. Um, I said Davos and World Economic Forum, and it was sort of like, well, I'm not exactly sure what those things are. So the World Economic Forum, okay, if you just look up on the Wikipedia page, it's created by multinational corporations. It's headed by this guy named Klaus Schwab. It's in Switzerland. I mean, he's headquartered in Switzerland, which is where Davos is. And uh, you can look up their page, weforum.org. Um, and, 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 and Schwab, uh, you know, has, this has been going on for over 50 years, right? He was a business, he was an academic business professor in Geneva and he creates this forum and he all of a sudden he's got people flying in from all over the place to come give speeches. The costs are astronomical to come to it. He's turned it into a full fledged industry where, where, Corp companies, nonprofits, government officials come, and he is very particular about who gets to show up and what it costs to come to the World Economic Forum. Somehow, they decide to let. So they've had they've had government officials come. They're invited because there is a chance for the people who create the forum, the multinational corporations, the elite of the business of the international business world to have a chance to rub shoulders, have drinks with with government officials from around the world. Javier Malay gets on a commercial flight from Buenos Aires to Geneva and then takes the takes the takes the ride up. Everyone else flies in, by the way. Funny, funny story. Did anyone pay notice this? Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of, U.S. Secretary of State, flies. The Secretary of State's plane is a Boeing 737. If you've been paying attention to the news lately, Boeing 737s, particularly the, the 737 MAX, 
is getting looked at. They've grounded some of the U.S. fleet of the 737 MAX because of that incident on an Alaska Airlines plane. The plane that, that, that Blinken flies on, that the Secretary of State flies on, is an older 737. It's not the MAX 9, the one that's got, that had, not the one from the Alaska Airlines incident. It's an older one. But apparently they got everybody, the secretary, his team, the press corps, everyone that was traveling with the secretary, onto this plane, and then the plane had a malfunction. They had to take everybody off. The press corps apparently had to fly commercial. So it's good enough for Harvey Malay. It's good for him. But they had to go set. But, of course, what does the U.S. government do? Does they, they say, well, never mind, just come home commercial? No. They fly him a second plane. Please. Okay. So, back to Malay. He gets up to give this speech. And, and he gets up to give this speech. And he looked, if you, I, obviously I can't do it, do it justice on radio, the look. But he gets up, he gets this wonderful introduction from Schwab himself. Gets up, introduces him. He comes up. He his hair looks a little tousled. He has to throw on the reading glasses. He has to adjust his pages. He looks like an academic. I look at him. It's like, oh, you're Professor Smith from Yale. You're about to tell me. You're about to tell me something about particle physics. Um, but what he does, what comes out of his mouth, refers to these business. What refers to folks in multinational company, companies as parasites. The word is said in Spanish, and the AI translates it as parasite. They used an AI to do the translation, not a human being. After the break, i got to play you a bunch of clips of what he said. Okay, I have never played like five minutes of of hardcore libertarian economic thought. But it's only one-fifth of what the World Economic Forum got from Javier Malay. And you'll get a little bit of it right after these messages on the King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-230-2777. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-230-2777. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800 230 Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-230-2777, 800-230-2777, or BigLou.com. China is attacking the U.S. patent system, stealing American innovations, and we are helping them do it. The Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. Innovation Race, the shocking new movie from the Tea Party Patriots, exposes the truth. China will use our own technology to threaten our economic and military security. Dominating technology means you dominate the world itself. This is a race that we cannot afford to lose because we're not going to have a country. If China gains control over 5G technology with a flip of a switch, they could remotely turn off our phones, our cars, even our power grid. We've lost sight of what it is to protect this nation. We need to up our game. In today's high-tech world, there is no prize for second place. Watch Innovation Race. Available now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. 
But here's the good news. They might just find it again. Playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate teammates and coaches. If you're wondering, what's the 411 on my 401k? You're in the right place. The Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley. It's hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. We are talking about the speech that uh, a lot of people are talking about. Javier Millet, the president of Argentina, who faces some tough sledding in Argentina right now, which I'll get to in a week or two. I, I'm waiting for some things to sort out there before we actually do it. Um, uh, but uh, he gets in front of the, this group. Now, understand, right? This is sort of elite. So... Think of a, think of like a TED talk where it costs fifty thousand dollars to attend. All right, that's what this is, basically. And they invite this this guy with wild hair, who has dogs named after after free market economists, uh, who apparently are cloned dogs. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure what I think of that. And he sits them down and says, and basically says to them, you are going, gives them, you're now going to listen to me do a 25-minute speech um, that the world, that the Western world is in danger. And it is in danger because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Let's play the first cut. This is cut six. Before having the discussion, it would first be important for us to take a look at the data that demonstrate why free enterprise capitalism is not just the only possible system to end world poverty, but also that it's the only morally desirable system to achieve this. So he tells them not only is capitalism more effective, right? Capitalism can deliver more goods to more people. But he then makes the assertion in front of this group that's holding this. Remember, these are the folks that hear, you know, John Kerry and Greta Thunberg and all kind. You know, they've had they've had Nicolas Maduro. They've had they've had members. They've had Xi Jinping, who t- tell them that there's that ca- capitalism's a bad idea, right? And he and here's the head of a country saying to them not only do we get you more stuff we are the only moral system that gets you there let's continue cut seven history of economic progress we can see how between the year zero and the year 1800 approximately world per capita gdp practically remained constant throughout the whole reference period if you look at a graph of the evolution of economic growth throughout the history of humanity, you would see a hockey stick graph, an exponential function that remained constant for 90% of the time and which was exponentially triggered starting in the 19th century. So he, he tells, he actually brings out the hockey stick. That's not an accident. The hockey stick is the, is the story of climate change, right? That Temperatures were fine, fine, and then all of a sudden, because we decided we needed to consume more stuff, we decided we wanted to live comfortably in homes that stayed that stayed reasonably warm at night uh, and were cool on hot summer days, you know, and we wanted to have factories. Because of all those things, now the hockey stick is having temperatures go like this and the polar ice caps are going to melt and so forth. He takes the hockey stick metaphor and turns it around and says, no, no, the hockey stick metaphor is 
standards of living pre pre-industrial revolution and after. Okay. Julian Simon couldn't have delivered it. The, uh, the great Julian Simon, um, who I consider sort of the, the, the progenitor of the, of the thought of the hockey stick of human progress. Uh, we've had Marion Tupi on the show before talk about the very same thing. Um, that here's Malay at Davos telling them this. I, at, it was at this moment I'm like, oh my gosh, you're just going to go, you're going right at them. You are not going to, you're not going to try to throw, slip something in. No, you're going straight ahead. Keep going. Cut number eight. This trend, far from stopping, remains well alive today. If we take the period between the year 2000 and 2023, the growth rate again accelerated to 3% a year, which means that we could double uh, world per capita GDP in just 23 years. That said, when you look at per capita GDP since the year 1800 and until today, what you will see is that after the Industrial Revolution, global per capita GDP multiplied by over 15 times, which meant uh, a boom in growth that lifted 90% of the global population out of poverty. Out of poverty, right? So if we look, so he points out that throughout this period, okay, and we cut out some of the talk, in that period between Year zero of the Common Era, or I think I can say A.D. because I'm on a Christian station, right? Zero A.D. to 1800 A.D. The growth rate of per capita GDP, okay? A measure, not, not the only measure, granted. A measure of human progress grew at two-tenths of one percent per year, okay? St- starting, so no growth. Starting in the 19th century, you get growth at point at two thirds of a percent a year, using the rule of 70, which I've explained on this show before. Right, that you take any growth rate, divide that growth rate into, you know, as a percent, divide it into the number 70. You get approximately the number of years it takes for that thing to double. So if you take 70, divide it by 0.66, you end up with GDP doubling in about 107 years. Between 1900 and 1950, 50, and 1950, you go from 107 years to double per capita GDP to 66 years. Between 1950 and 2000, we're down to 33 years. Between 2000 and 2023, we're now down to 23 years. Not looking at the U.S., not looking at the West, not looking at the developed world, looking at the entire world per capita GDP. The world is getting better. All right? We're a better place to say that than the World Economic Forum. We continue. Cut number nine. The conclusion is obvious. Far from being the cause of our problems, free trade capitalism as an economic system is the only instrument we have to end hunger, poverty, and extreme poverty across our planet. I actually cut off the next sentence, but I should have left it in. The empirical evidence is unquestionable. Okay? So he says, all right, so I've made the case. The case is obvious, just looking at empirical data, that it is far more, it is far more, that the free market capitalism system is, is far more productive. No one has an argument with that, not even the people in that audience. They will concede, yep, you're right, in terms of the, just the amount of stuff that we're producing, that hockey stick, it'll be begrudging, but they'll say, yeah, it's it's fine, but... And then he notes, he's noted as well, it pulls people out of poverty and out of extreme poverty. The percent of people living on a dollar or two dollars a day of income is consistently declining over this entire period. Um, look up, look up uh, uh, the work of uh, the Gapminder Institute in, in uh, Norway uh, uh, that was created by the late, great Hans Rosling. And you will see how that growth has happened, that you get not only wealth, but you get increased health. You get, you get 
you get less infant mortality, you get longer lifespans, and, and, and so forth. All of that is there. But the case he wants to make, the case that's sort of like, no, we're going to go further, is the case for the morality of capitalism. That's the part that, you know, and he says, no, 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 it's not just you. It's, uh, it, it's not just that it's more productive. It's also more moral. And he's, he takes the rest of the speech. We're only like five, seven minutes into the speech. And the rest of the, 20, the rest of the 25 minutes is spent on making the case that it's moral. Let's start here. Cut number 10. Those who promote social justice, the advocates, start with the idea that the uh, whole economy is a pie that can be shared differently. But that pie is not a given. It's wealth that is generated in what Israel Kirzner, for instance, calls a market discovery process. If the goods or services offered by a business are not wanted, the uh, business will fail unless it adapts to what the market is demanding. First of all, the quote of Israel Kirzner is fascinating. Israel Kirzner is a not terribly well-known economist outside of the Austrian School of Economics. So I would say, it's worth pointing out, Malay is the darling of the Austrian School of Economics right now because he is quoting their literature in making the cases he's trying to make for the, for the, for the, the, the shock therapy uh, that he's trying to bring to Argentina right now in trying to justify it. What is more moral? To have a business try to build something and if it doesn't work, they fail? Or to have, a, to, or to have the state end up producing things or, or punishing capitalists who succeed, having them produce less, like Elon Musk, like those internet firms that are now being re-regulated by re-regulated by the FCC they're inhibiting our ability the ability of people to as adam smith said truck barter and exchange and as a consequence malay says they're going to produce less okay um let's Let's take a break here. I want to finish that thought, and I want to get these last three clips together for you here. We're listening to uh, some of the Javier Malay speech from Davos this week here on the Key Banging Show on the Biz 1440. Do you have Medicare, and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-260-1792. 800-260-1792. That's 800-260-1792. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night, and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 
The greatest red carpet you'll ever walk is through your front door. We're Dr. Josh and Christy Straub, marriage and leadership coaches and hosts of the Famous at Home podcast. With a realistic, grace-filled look at the struggles families face today, we cover topics designed to help you become a rock star under your roof, set healthy rhythms between work and home, and build a rock-solid marriage. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Famous at Home on your favorite podcast platform. You need to call the police, you need to call your father, and you need to get you and your son away from this guy. I want to fix it. That's why I want to sell my home, and I just want to be able to get No, no, honey, honey, we don't need to call a realtor. You and your son are in danger. Direct, honest, The Ramsey Show, weekdays 1 to 4. The Ramsey Show. Right now, my wife and I, we're scared. Take her hands in your hands and go, okay, we're doing this together, and we are not going to let this take our marriage. And as a matter of fact, it's going to make our marriage stronger. And hold on tight. Live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. I had this album as in junior high. Ah, oh, Three Dog Night. Fantastic. King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. We're listening to some of the Javier Malay speech. Uh, I probably should have just decided to play all 25 minutes. I could have gone outside. Uh, except it's still three below up here uh, in St. Cloud uh, at a uh, little before 11 o'clock in the morning. But whatever. But I wanted, I wanted to talk about it, too. So he's given, told them the hockey stick. He's explained that, that it's more productive, and now he's trying to make the case that it's more moral. And let's continue with that with his train of thought here. This is cut 11. If the state punishes capitalists when they're successful and gets in the way of the discovery process, they will destroy their incentives, and the consequence is that they will produce less, the pie will be smaller, and this will harm society as a whole. Collectivism, by inhibiting these discovery processes and hindering the appropriation of discoveries, ends up binding the hands of entrepreneurs and prevents them from uh, offering better goods and services at a better price. That's the core argument that comes from comes from a, a free market perspective. The free market's going to deliver to people better goods, more goods. It delivers Starlink. It delivers, you know, broadband internet that's able to allow my university and many universities to deliver content online. Okay, we live off that off that investment that's already been made. Right. And that's why I mean, that's why I bring that's why I had Phil Kirpin on at the beginning of the hour. That was a perfect story of how how when you get in the way, think of all the things that happen. Imagine not imagine if you had had the Internet throttled back or in the case of my time up in Mongolia. Imagine if you had actually had to uh, to do the Internet off a connection that cost you one hundred dollars an hour to use. That would probably change the way you live today. But you don't have to make that choice. Let's He continues. Cut number 12. That libertarianism is the unrestricted respect for the life project of others based on the principle of non-aggression in defense of the right to life, liberty, and property. Its fundamental institutions being private property, markets free from state intervention, free competition, the division of labor, and social cooperation, as part of which success is achieved only by serving others with goods of better quality or at a better price. And he says, this is exactly what we're doing in Argentina. We're trying to provide for this world. So, I mean, in, in the first, now we're probably 12 to 13 minutes into the speech, and we don't have time to do much more. But he, he's saying this is exactly why we're doing this. And he actually, and we won't play this part, he actively rejects the neoclassical tradition in economics, which relies on perceiving there to be a market failure. Okay? The, market fa- the market's failing the market failed that poor FCC chair who couldn't 
access the Internet, so there must be a market failure. No, there isn't. You have a lousy old, old router. Okay? I can't tell you how many people who say to me, the Internet doesn't work for me anymore. I said, when's the last time you changed your router? And oftentimes they're like, well, I can't remember when. And I said, well, what if we tried a new router just to see if it works? I mean, you can return it if it doesn't work out. I don't think I've ever had it thing turn out much differently than that. That's why, that's why that story works so well. We got one more cut of this is, this is Javier Millet, the president of Argentina at Davos uh, earlier this week, cut 13. Never be forgotten that socialism is always and everywhere an impoverishing phenomenon that has failed in all countries where it's been tried out. It's been a failure economically, socially, culturally, and it also murdered over 100 million human beings. Now, that's a really bold statement. And you might think, well, he just made that number up. No, it's not true. There's, there are books, there's been work done by the late Rudolf Rummel, uh, political science professor at the University of Hawaii, um, who showed uh, that uh, government-sponsored mass murders are correlated with the system of government you have, uh, and, and that, that carries through quite a bit. If you, and there was a book, uh, much more popular 20 years ago than today, uh, called The Black Book of Communism, uh, that is well worth reading to, to understand uh, government-sponsored mass murders over time. Okay? Democracies don't commit mass murder on their own citizens. Capitalist systems don't do that. Communist systems, socialist systems have, in fact, done that. Okay? And, and the problem here is, is that, is that the... the I don't. Ha- I have an issue with Malay, and I don't have enough time to get into it today. Of, of, of the issue, which is, which is, I still believe there's a, there's a way to get to ninety percent of what he wants without having to go all the way to sort of like a narco capitalism, which he seems to be in favor of. Um, but um, he seems to be in favor of. But, but uh, se- separate that for another day. But the point is, the point is this. In a room full of people who have benefited from a corporatist structure of being able to rub shoulders with others, what he's telling is the best thing for the planet is competition. And that competition you should see as a threat to you. You do see as a threat to you. And you folks actually come here to stop that rather than to allow it to happen. So it was a whole lot of truth telling happening in Davos to the people who needed to hear it, not that he'll probably change too many of their minds, but for the rest of us, wow, that was quite the speech. Uh, I want to thank you so much for listening. Next week, we'll do the GDP report and more. uh, Thank you, Spencer, for the cuts here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. What is your healing power? Maybe your healing power is helping veterans with PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, depression, anxiety, or loneliness is your healing power a simple heartfelt letter or being a volunteer it is estimated that over half a million current warfighters will return from service diagnosed with ptsd and 22 veterans will commit suicide every day our veterans have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country at healvets.org you can find out more about the healing power of pen pals volunteers therapy kits and more Discover your healing power at HealVets.org. Help Heal Veterans, together with you, has been helping one recovering veteran at a time. We are helping veterans heal together. What is your healing power? To find out about your power, visit HealVets.org. This PSA is sponsored by Help Heal Veterans. Looking for a new way to give back to your community, learn new skills, and make a real difference? consider volunteering with your local fire department. The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. 
Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, being a member of the Volunteer Fire Service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. Minnesota High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Breaking free from debt. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.